0: This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Please enjoy Pastor Jason Berry as he delivers the week three teaching from the series Hearing God's Voice. And so, welcome to our very, very last week of 12 Stone Summer. So glad to be with you uh, this, this morning. Like we said, today, we're sort of in this series of 12 Stone Summer, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been inside of the thought of how do you hear from God? We've been unpacking what it looks like to hear from God, and before we even jump into the content, I want to just clarify that statement because it's a bit misleading. When we say, how do you hear from God, we're not necessarily saying the audible, booming voice of God like you see in the movies, right? It'd be super cool, and to be honest, it might scare me a little bit, but I, I personally, I've never heard the audible voice of God. See, what we're talking about in this series is we believe that the God of the universe actually wants to interact with us and speak to us in the most practical places of life. He wants to sort of direct our steps. He wants to give us prompts and nudges, and we think he actually wants to guide the steps of our life. And so if that's true, if God wants to to sort of guide us and talk to us and interact with us, I want to know how that works, don't you? Like, if God actually wants to talk, I want to know what he has to say. But let me give you sort of a picture for how I think the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us. Because today we're going to be specifically focusing in on the person of the Holy Spirit. The the last two weeks we sort of unpacked scripture, we unpacked an overview, but today we're focusing in on the person of the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit talk? I think it looks a little bit like, like this. A couple weeks ago, it was 4th of July weekend, and uh, my family and I decided we were going to drive to Indianapolis to visit my brother for 4th of July. If you didn't know this, don't travel on 4th of July week because everybody else is traveling. And so it was going to be a crazy, crazy trip up. And uh, if you're like me, I'm a GPS fanatic. I use my GPS literally everywhere I go to work. I could take five different routes to work because traffic in Atlanta is the worst. And so I wanna know which way to get to work so I don't get to work with a, with a bad attitude. I use the app Waze. Any Waze fans in the room? Yes. How many people have been saved a speeding ticket because of Waze? Praise Jesus. Thank you, God, for Ways. Let's just pray. God, thank you for Waze and all that it, all that it does. So, so I, I sit down that morning to head to Indy and I, I open up Waze, thank you God. And so I open up Waze, I, I put his address in and I hit like search route. And the little spinny thing at the bottom starts spinning and it stays, it, it stays spinning and spinning and spinning. And finally it says, it, the, the server timed out. Apparently there's so many people using Waze that day that it couldn't route a nine hour trip. It couldn't stay connected to the server long enough. And so my blood pressure starts to rise. Like in that moment, I, I'm... I'm unsure of anything in life at this point, and I know I'm gonna get a speeding ticket because I need, I need ways, And so it wouldn't route. And so I figured out it would route like two to three hour chunks of the trip at a time. It could stay connected to the server long enough to, to get, me, get me that. So what I ended up having to do was I, I, I had to plug in Chattanooga first because that's the first leg of the trip. So I plugged in Chattanooga, which is hard to spell by the way, plugged in Chattanooga. It took me, two, it took me the two hours of Chattanooga. When I got to Chattanooga, I typed in Nashville and it got me to Nashville, and then from Nashville to Louisville, and from Louisville up to Indianapolis, and it took me like sort of two-hour chunks at a time. It drove me nuts because I want to see the whole trip. Guys, you can, you can probably agree with me. I wanna know the time the GPS says I'm gonna get there so I can beat that time, and I couldn't see that. I I couldn't see that at the beginning of the trip. All I could see was Chattanooga, and then each piece by piece. You see, I think when we hear the statement, how do you hear from God, we think, I want to know that the whole five, 10-year plan for my life. God, like, I want to hear the long-term, big-picture stuff. You see, I think the Spirit of God is more interested in the the daily, moment-by-moment stuff, isn't he? See, I I think God's voice is something that sort of progressively is revealed in our life slowly but surely, and as much as I wanna know Indianapolis, God's going, trust me to Chattanooga. See, I think the voice of God is a progressive unveiling in our life, and I actually believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you in the most practical arenas of your life. I actually believe the Holy Spirit, God, wants to speak to you in the most practical arenas of your life. What if God... Wanted to speak into your parenting. Think about this. Think about the seasons where your kid hits puberty and you are lost. God, I don't know what to do with this. What if the spirit of God wanted to give you insights in how to parent your kid uniquely, how God wired him or her? What if God wanted to speak into your marriage? There are seasons where marriage is just great and there are seasons where marriage is tough. What if, what if the God of the universe wanted to speak in and give you insight in how to build a healthy marriage? See, what if God actually cared about the big decisions you make? Students, you want to know where to go to college. I don't know that God's going to yell out Dartmouth, but I I think, probably not Dartmouth anyway, but I I don't know, that's a good school. I don't know that God's going to say that out loud, but I think God actually cares to guide you as you make that decision. Single folks, where's my man? I want to know where he's at, God. Tell me, where's my partner? Where's my, my husband or wife for life? We want those big, I think God actually cares about those decisions, I think God wants to speak into big purchases we make and, and how, we, how we live our life. I think he actually wants to do that. For many of us, there are places we're stuck emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, and we're one, we're one insight from God away from a breakthrough. But listen, you have a role to play in hearing from God. The decisions you make will determine the prominence of the voice of God in your life. And we're gonna unpack that together, but I've gotta start here. When you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it can start to feel a little bit weird. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? Like the Holy Spirit, like for a lot of us, we don't talk about that because it's kinda weird. Here's, Here's what really happens. We all know somebody or have seen someone on TV that talk about the Holy Spirit and they're weird. Let me help you crack the code. They're just weird. They would be weird without the Holy Spirit. They're just weird, the Holy Spirit's not weird. In fact, I saw a poll a couple years ago that said one in three people are weird. You know that, one in three people. Let's do this together. Everyone look to your left. I want you to size up the person next to you. Give them a good look. Don't say anything, shut your mouth, but just look at them. Now everyone look to your right, I want you to size up the person next to you. All right, if neither one of those two people, person one and person two is weird, that makes you person three right? See, the the Holy Spirit's not weird. We got to get past this. If you hear one thing I say today, hear this. You can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and not be weird or goofy or out there. This is normal. Can I just give you my thesis statement? I want you to be more aware and more engaged with the Spirit of God in your life. That's what I want today, I want you to know that he wants to speak to you in the most practical arenas of your life. And I think, I think we can miss it from time to time. So let me start here. I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jason. Jason is the Holy Spirit. I want to introduce you to who the Holy Spirit is. If you're taking notes, here's your first blank. You need to know this. First of all, the Holy Spirit, he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a someone, not a something. He is a person, not an it. He is not a force. He is not a wind. He is not an idea. He is a person, meaning he is a personal being. He's not a person in every way that you and I are. He is a personal being. Every pronoun used in Scripture to reference the Holy Spirit is a he pronoun, not an it pronoun. The original Greek is explicit in telling us he is a person, not an it And that matters because if you don't see the Holy Spirit, the the, the Holy Spirit as a person, you will not engage a personal relationship with him. Second, the Holy Spirit, he is God. He is God, not a version of God, not a lesser than than God, he is distinct but fully God. He He is the third part of the Trinity. We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a creation of God, he is God. See, I don't have time to solve the entirety of Trinitarian theology, but for for our our time today, you need to know the Holy Spirit is God. He is God, and everything that God is, he is. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, powerful, loving, and third, here's the the best news of all. He's a person, he's God, he is in you. (sighs) This should change some stuff in us, He is in, let me me clarify, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus, if you're a Christian, pick your term. If that's true, it's your moment of salvation, God in you, Holy Spirit, oh my goodness. He is in you. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Since the time of Acts 2, When the Holy Spirit came to the church until today, we're living in what I would call the age of the Holy Spirit. We have unprecedented access to God. And it burdens me, it saddens me, it disappoints me that some of us might be unaware or unengaged with God in you. See, my heart for today is that we would recognize and relate to the Holy Spirit. Here's Jesus' words in John 16. This is Jesus' own words about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, it's better if I, the incarnate Christ, God in the flesh, leave, and the Holy Spirit comes to you. That's, That's a big statement from Jesus. Like If I'm picking, I'm going Yeah, that's cool, Jesus, I want you right here. Like, let's just hang, the two. like, I want Jesus right here. Jesus said, no, it's better that I leave. And Jesus knew that the the Holy Spirit had a unique role in the life of the believer that would be better than if Jesus himself had stayed. So I've painted a really big picture of the Holy Spirit, and you're going, okay, if that's true, how does this work? See, what I wanna do is I wanna unpack for us what the Holy Spirit does, but as I unpack the sort of the three voices of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna to need to know this. The order matters, and our response to his voice matters. If when he speaks, you lean in, his voice will grow in prominence. If when he speaks, if you stiff arm him, his voice will shrink in prominence. And if you wanna hear from God, the order matters, and our response matters. So what are the three things? Let's take it to the whiteboard. If you're taking notes, these three words are gonna go right down the middle of your, of, your, of your bulletin, right down the middle. The three sort of voices of the Holy Spirit. He does more than this, but this is sort of the core of what the Holy Spirit does. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit guides. He wants to guide us. And the third thing the Holy Spirit does is he wants to empower us. The Holy Spirit wants to convict, to guide and to empower, and the order matters. And I'm going to break each one of these, each one of these three things down throughout this, this, this morning, and I, I want you to see how this works. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do. the first voice of God you will hear in your life is the voice of conviction. And he wants to convict us, from unholy to holy. The Holy Spirit, the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in us is to convict us from unholy to holy. He wants to take us from our sins and make us more like Jesus. It says this in Scripture. It says this, Jesus said, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, John sixteen eight. Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, he will convict. We've all hopefully experience conviction somewhere in life. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life is marked by conviction. I get conviction when I'm driving a lot. When there's people in front of me that just are driving less than great, and I, 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 my hand just starts going to the middle of that steering wheel, I got stuff I wanna say. I, I, I was convicted when, when one of my kids, when they were like three years old said, Daddy goes beep beep, and I'm like, oh no, that's, that's, not, that's not a good precedent. See, we, we, we feel conviction when you get home from work, you can tell your spouse is tired and you had that thing you wanted to talk to him or her about and the Holy Spirit goes, don't do it, don't go there. On a serious note, places where our anger gets the best of us, maybe you're like me, and anger starts to bubble up and you explode on somebody and you're laying in bed that night and the Holy Spirit just begins to whisper, man, you messed that up. He convicts. See, I remember my junior summer of of high school between junior and senior year. I'd asked Jesus into my heart as a young kid and I'd been a Christian for a while but I'd never really surrendered my life. And that summer, my parents were gone, it's two in the morning, I'm asleep in my bed, I'm not at church, (laughs) I'm not reading my Bible, not singing worship songs, I'm just in bed and the Holy Spirit wakes me up and he brings conviction on my life. It was like he flipped the light switch on in the room of my life and I saw for the first time the mess I was making with my life. There was no pastor, there was no church, there was no book I coulda read that coulda done that. The Holy Spirit in a moment convicted me and i the weight of my sin weighed on me. I never experienced that. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's typically how the Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus. See, the word conviction's got some weight in it. Maybe if you want a different word, I, I could use the word convince. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you of your need for a savior. He wants to open your eyes and help you realize you can't fix this on your own. Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz in one person couldn't fix you. You need Jesus. You need a savior. And the Holy Spirit wants to convince you that you need Jesus, and then he's not done. That night in high school was not the last time he con- the Holy Spirit has convicted me. He-, he convicts me on the daily where there's places where he just goes, ah, don't do that. Go back and make that right. See, he doesn't wanna just bring you to Jesus. He wants to transform you. See, at the moment of salvation, your old self doesn't disappear, it's a process, and the first voice you will hear of the Holy Spirit is the voice of conviction. See, in Galatians 5.16, it talks about the battle that exists. It says this, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's a, there's a wrestling match, a battle going on inside of us between the old self before Jesus, the sinful side and the side that, that is God in us wanting to root out sin and the voice that the Holy Spirit brings to our life is the voice of conviction. And we all know that wrestling to some extent where you know what you should do but you don't know how to do it and don't wanna do it sometimes. But it might be easier to see it in the life of, of our kids sometimes, isn't it? I got a five-year-old son, Lincoln, and he is a handful, but he's an awesome kid, and so we, we just moved into a neighborhood that uh, we live on the main drag, and there's this main road that kind of loops around it, and people drive so fast down that road, it's really dangerous for my kids, but we want them to be able to go outside and play, but I don't want to have to stand out in the heat the whole time they're out there, so it's, it's time for Lincoln to have the, the conversation, so I took Lincoln out, out to the road, and I stood by the edge of the road. I said, son, this is a road. And a car drove by and said, son, what would happen if you were out in that road and the car came by? He said, "I'd, I'd get hurt really bad, dad. I said, yeah, really bad. So son, here's the deal. There's the curb, there's a strip of grass, there's the sidewalk and then our yard. Son, I don't want you to cross from the sidewalk to the grass between you and the road. I want you to stay that far back. I want you to be safe. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, yes, sir. And I walked back inside like proud. You ever have one of those parenting moments where you're like, I did that right. Like that, That's how it's supposed to work. I'm going to write a book. Like This is the way to do it. <laughs> so I walk back inside. I tell my wife, hey, got that one covered. Don't you worry about that. He ain't going anywhere near the road. And so I peeked out to check on him. And my son is still standing on the sidewalk where we had the conversation. And he's looking between him and the road. And I watched the battle from Galatians 5 in him. He's sitting there looking at the road, looking at, himself, at his feet at the road, and here's where I knew I was in trouble, when he looked back. <laughs> and he didn't see me in the window, and when he looked back, I went, son, don't do it, don't do it, and he stuck one foot in the grass and he kind of waited. <laughs> nothing happened, checked again, second foot in the grass, and at this point he's going, my dad is stupid, nothing, this is safe, it's grass. Put his right foot on the curb, looked back, Left foot on the curb and at the time he's about to step into the road, I open the door and he jumps back to the sidewalk like trying to be innocent, right? It's like, I'm just trying to protect you. You would be dead. If you were in that road, you're dead. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of sin because he's a prude. He convicts us because he knows sin will hurt us. And just like my son needed a father to keep him safe, we need the Holy Spirit to protect us from ourselves and from our sin. See, the Holy Spirit convicts because he knows that sin will hurt you. Whether he convicts you of a habit that turned into an addiction, whether he convicted you of the, of the, the places you keep hidden from other people, he convicts you of emotional lack of control, I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit convicts you because he knows that sin will always hurt you and the first voice you will hear from God. How do you hear from God? First, conviction. You're sitting there going, okay, what do I do with that? Let me give you something really practical. My wife said something so simply brilliant the other night that I I have to share it with you, I think it's helpful. We're trying to explain to our kids, who is the Holy Spirit, what is conviction? That's tough for a five, nine, and 10-year-old. So my wife just said, kids, just do this. Close your eyes right now. And in your still, quiet voice in your head, just pray, God, is there anything I'm doing that doesn't make you happy? And then whatever God brings to mind, you should probably start there. You think that's simple, right? That's a simply profound thing. Maybe for you, the most practical thing you can do this week is go carve out 15 minutes in the back bedroom, shut the door, and close your eyes and say, God, Is there anything I'm doing that's making you unhappy? And whatever he brings to mind, attend to it first. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak in the most practical arenas of our life, and the first voice you'll hear is conviction, but the other side of this is true too. Some of you don't need to go in the back bedroom. You know exactly what God would say if you asked that question. See, if you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, the sins you have left are the sins you like. And for many of us, our relationship with God is arm's length distant because I'm sick of every time I pray, he brings up the same sin and I'm just tired of hearing it. Listen to me, if you don't attend to his voice of conviction, you will never hear uh, anything else from him. You will never hear anything else from him. If you are not right here, if you don't get right here, everything else I say today, it's not for you. You're not even in the game yet. Like, don't listen to what else I'm saying and say, oh, I'll I'll take that. Nope, you gotta start here. Until you listen to his convicting voice, you will never hear his guiding voice. See, what does the Holy Spirit wanna guide us to? He wants to guide us from my agenda to God's agenda. He wants to guide us from my agenda to God's agenda. You see, we all know what agendas are, don't we? You've been to a meeting before and you have the agenda printed out. Here's the five things I wanna cover inside this meeting. And so we, we come to meetings with agendas. I have an agenda for my life. I, I have agendas for what I hope my, my kid's life looks like. But, but did you know that God has an agenda? See, God's been driving an agenda since the beginning of time, a redemptive agenda. And, and I believe God wants to invite you onto his agenda. See, this is where, where the voice of God begins to get practical, I think God wants to inform the decisions we make so that we get on his agenda and don't waste our lives. For most of us, when we say how to hear the voice of God, this is the voice we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, got it. I wanna hear the big decisions. Should I buy this house or buy this house? Should I buy this car, buy this car? Which college should I go to? Which should my major be? Who should I marry? It's the big it's the big, uh, big questions we want answered. But, but again, you will never hear that until you attend to his voice of conviction. So here's what it says. In John 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Here's what what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's gonna do. Jesus is saying, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit wants to guide you and tell you what is yet to come. So for me, I start from that premise in my life. And this is more important than it's gonna sound. I start from the premise saying, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to guide me. I believe he wants to let me in on what he's gonna do. So therefore, I sift my life before him. And the way the Holy Spirit usually guides me is through peace or lack of peace. Y'all know what it feels like to be at peace in a moment, don't you? It's like, all is right in the world. And you know what it's like to not be at peace where you're laying in bed and can't sleep and all the pressure and the decisions. See, the, the Holy Spirit tends to guide me with peace or no peace. It drives my wife nuts when I'm looking for a car because I won't spend a dollar on a car until I have peace from God. Give me the best deal in the world. And if I go, God, would you just give me a peace about this purchase? I, I will not move until I have peace from God. It's not worth losing Peace. See, I sift my calendar before God. I literally start my week, lay my calendar out and say, God, as I walk day by day through my calendar, is there anything on here that you would say shouldn't be there? Is there anything missing from my calendar that should be there? I walk through my credit card statements and I ask God, would you give me a piece about where I'm spending my money or would you give me a check in my spirit? Some of you think that's silly, but this could be the most transformational thing you hear today. I would invite you practically Take some time this week before everyone wakes up, after everyone goes to bed, get on your kitchen table. Get your calendar out, whether it's on your iPhone or whether it's printed out old school style. Whatever you wanna do, get your calendar out. Go get your most recent credit card statement or mint.com, whatever you're using for your money, and I wanna challenge you. You wanna hear the guiding voice of the Holy Spirit? Then you need to get your calendar and your credit card statement out before God. And let him, let him sift it before you, peace or no peace. I believe God wants to speak to you there. Because listen, God can only guide the things you give him. You cannot get on God's agenda with closed hands. The quickest way to get from your agenda to God's agenda is to lay your agenda before him and let him speak, let him direct. See, I believe that if you attend, if you attend to the, the guiding voice of God, I think you have a shot <laughs> to live a life bigger than you can imagine. See, because the next thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to empower you to go from a live self life to a live sent life. To go from a live self life to a live Sent life, and it, if you've been around 12 stone, you've heard us say the, word, the words live sent for a long time. What is live sent? Live sent is basically a disposition, a shift in your life, where if you're a follower of Jesus, you exist for more than yourself. You see, what, what live sent does is it doesn't necessarily change where you go, but it changes how you go there. There's no such thing as just going to the ball fields anymore. There's no such thing as just going to the grocery store anymore. Wherever you go, you're believing, I am a missionary for Jesus wherever I go. Life is more than about me. I wanna live for more than self. I wanna live sent. And that guy's excited about it. I wish the rest of y'all were. <laughs> but let me be honest why most of us didn't clap. Because you're like me sometimes. When you hear Pastor Kevin talk about live sent, like you're going, that's so, I believe that. But man, it's, it sounds so tiring. <laughs> like it's, it's hard enough to keep my, keep, keep my own life together. I got three kids, I got a mortgage, I got a job. Have I mentioned I got three kids and they're crazy? Like I, I got enough stuff, I, I don't need anybody else to add to my world. And it starts to sound exhausting, doesn't it? It's easy to clap in the service and go, yippee. But when you get into real life, you're going, yeah, but I work a job. See, here's why it feels exhausting. If you try to live sent in your own strength, it will never work. You were never designed to live sent in your own strength. When you get on God's agenda, you get God's power. When you're on your agenda, you're on your power. And so live sent does not work. Unless you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit has power that most of us don't know of yet. But if you attend to his convicting voice, if you will obey when he guides us, and you get on his agenda, you have access to his power. Acts 1-8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you look in Acts 2. Holy Spirit came in the upper room. Peter walks downstairs. A crowd's gathered. He just starts preaching. No theological training to speak of. No record of him ever preaching before. And he starts preaching, and it says that the people who heard him were cut to the heart. That day, 3,000 people repented and were baptized. That's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He was not in his own power. See, I just heard a story this week that is just right down the middle in this way. There's a guy... I'll just call him David for right now. He's a 12 stoner. Him and his wife have been praying for a while. They lead a small group of high school boys, which God bless them. They lead a high school boys small group and their house right now is great, but it's, it's kind of crazy and it's small and the, the high school boys are sort of ruining everything in the house because they're so, they're so tight and they're going, man, God, if you, could, if you could open up an opportunity for us to get a house with a little bit of space, some acreage to live on, that would be incredible. So David and his wife and his kids go to their friend's house for dinner a couple weeks ago and they get to the house and realize this neighborhood is like perfect, got some acreage, these houses have some breath to them. Man, this would serve our our, our high school small group well and our family well. He just mentions at dinner, dude, I would love to live in a neighborhood like this. His friend said, yeah, it's great. David got in his car, starts driving home. Midway home, he gets a phone call from his friend's house he just left and his friend's like, I can't believe I forgot this. Three months ago, my neighbor across the street came up to me and it was the weirdest conversation. (laughs) He came up to me and goes, man, this is kind of crazy. I just need to tell you, my wife and I believe that God's prompting us to move. We're supposed to move. Uh, Secondly, he told me that, that he's gonna pick out the people that are gonna move into our house. He's got the people he wants in this house picked out. And third, I'm not supposed to get a realtor, I'm supposed to wait and he told me that you might be part of helping me find the family God has for this house. What? That's incredible. The realtors are like, can you stop, please? Uh, <laughs> the reality, that, 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 that happened four months ago and he said, dude, you gotta call my neighbor. So David calls the neighbor and says, dude, my, my friend told me about this. Is this real? And the guy starts breaking down on the phone, overwhelmed, he's like, I can't believe it. This is a Tuesday, they're on the phone. He said, on Sunday, I had an open house scheduled. I had given up on what, God, what I thought God told me. i had I, waited long enough, God, three months is enough. And then Saturday night, God would not let me sleep. He would not give me a piece about it. And I canceled the open house and said, I'm all in, God. Long story short, David shows up to the house. It's everything he dreamed of. The previous owner already had put in a gravel parking lot so that his small group had enough parking. <laughs> See, we love those stories, don't we? What we don't love is the three months of waiting that that guy went through. I love to talk about it from stage. You get to see three months in 30 seconds and you're like, God, give me that. Do you really want that? Think about the sleepless nights of going, I could sell this thing, it's a hot market. I could sell this so fast. God. all right, God, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. You see, when you get on God's agenda, you get God's power. And this process continues over and over again in your life. That man had to be reconvicted on a, Saturday, on a Saturday night. Don't sell the house in an open house. I'm still in this with you. You see, I, I believe that living sin is nothing more than recognizing divine appointments. See, I, I think the Holy Spirit wants to convict you that you're supposed to live sin. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you you're supposed to live sin. And then I hope he guides you into divine appointments and then gives you the eyes to see it in the moment, and then I pray that he empowers you to take advantage of those divine appointments in your life. See, I, I, it might look like this. Live sent doesn't have to be weird, but it's not normal. See, I, I think live sent might look like you go to the office, and the Holy Spirit just draws your attention to a coworker, and he's like, just, just ask them how they're doing, and you're going, okay, how you doing? Ten minutes later, you're in the depth of their life, and you're praying with them. Holy Spirit might say, just go share your faith with that guy. And you're going, I don't know what to say. Neither did Peter in Acts 2. He will empower you. Maybe it looks like you're driving home and God just says, go serve your neighbor. Go mother their lawn. Tell him I love him. God, I just got done with a nine-hour day. I believe the Holy Spirit will actually give you the energy you need when you're on his agenda. I believe that. See, and I, I wonder... I wonder if God's inviting us into more lift-sent moments than we know of, and we're just too afraid to step out, because maybe you've never realized the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. You're right, I would not do any of that stuff I just said if I didn't think the Holy Spirit would actually empower me when I'm on his agenda. See, if you can manage everything in your life in your own power, then you're living too small of a life. And perhaps today, if you're a follower of Jesus, Maybe you look at that process of how the Holy Spirit speaks and you go, yep, I know why I'm not hearing much. Years ago, I, I put distance because I was sick of hearing about that sin. Maybe the day the Holy Spirit would just go, I'm still here. I still wanna talk, it's not too late. Maybe you look at your, your life and go, man, I would love to think that the God of the universe would guide and direct my steps. And the Holy Spirit's saying, I still wanna do that. Just obey when I give you guidance. Maybe you're like me and you look at your life and you read Acts 2 and you hear stories like what happened to David. And you start to get a holy, a holy not okay feeling with your life, a holy sort of growing up of, I'm so discontent with a normal life. A holy discontent starts to rise up and you go, I want to live sent. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to empower you too. But the order matters, and our response to his voice matters. So two questions for you before we turn it over to the campus pastors. First, where have you dismissed the voice of the Holy Spirit in the past? Second, where do you need to ask the Holy Spirit to speak? So right here at the central campus, I want to pray for you. I don't need to pray long, because it's not my voice you need to hear. I believe the God of the universe wants to speak in the most practical arenas of your life. And our response, our decisions determine how loud and clear the voice of God is in our life. So let's let's bow our heads. And so Father in heaven, um, thank you for Jesus, which restored the relationship with you Thank you that Jesus went, went back into heaven and left us the Holy Spirit because, God, that is the only way we can live this life of being a follower of Jesus. So, God, thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit. God, today I pray that you would, uh, you would awaken, like we sung earlier, you'd awaken in us an awareness of the Holy Spirit and a desire to, to engage with the Holy Spirit. God, I don't, I don't know exactly where everyone in the room is, but God, you do. Whether we need to attend to your conviction, God, when there's sin issues, would you speak and would, would, would we respond? Maybe there's, there's issues of guidance that, God, I need you to guide in my practical places in my life. Would, would you speak and would we obey and would your voice grow? And ultimately, God, for this church, for this church, you want us to live sent. You want us to be about more than ourselves. We've been rescued by Jesus. Let's go help rescue someone else. Father, what would this church look like in five years if thousands and thousands of people actually got serious about living sent? So Holy Spirit, as we live sent, would you empower us? And would we see more and more stories of coworkers being led to Christ and neighbors being wooed back to church because of how well we love and serve them? And God, would you get us on your agenda and give us your power? There is no one like you, Jesus. In your heavenly name, amen and amen.